Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in week three of our Lenten sermon series called The Cross. And remember what we're doing in this series, which is meant to prepare us for Resurrection Sunday, is examining and hopefully experiencing the horror and the beauty of the cross by delving into how God took this instrument of torture and death, intended to strike fear into the hearts of everyone who ever encountered it. And transform that into the very thing he used to save our lives in the world. So in week one, and to put the cross into perspective, we simply took some time to face the reality of the cross head on. And what we discovered by doing that gut-wrenching work is that the cross really is one of the most horrible ways a person could die. Or it was this, this instrument of pain and humiliation caused that, that was designed to cause people to suffer for hours and maybe even days as they slowly suffocated. And then last week as we started to get into what it is the cross has to teach us, what we discovered with a little help from the story of John Ardfield is that when it comes to who we are, the cross acts as a kind of mirror reflecting back to us our fallen nature. And that we are all sinners who are capable of horrible things if we choose not to follow the ways of God. While at the same time revealing to us that in spite of who we are, in spite of what we're capable of, that our God has taken the worst that we have to offer, which is what the, the cross represents. And instead of using that against us as we deserve, has actually used that to show us his love and to save us. Because that's just how amazing and big our God really is. So, now that we've explored the reality of the cross and what the cross has to teach us about who we are and in turn just how amazing our God is, today what I would like to do to help you learn even more about what the cross is proclaiming to us is to show you something that will help you get through some of the most difficult times in your life by getting into how the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross can actually be a source of comfort and hope no matter what this life may bring. But to get into the good news, we first have to get real about suffering. So about 20 years ago, after just graduating college, starting seminary, and starting my first youth ministry position at the First Christian Church in Alva, Oklahoma, I was told, uh, and I can't remember exactly how I heard it, but I was told that one of my best friends since the sixth grade, who was also one of my college roommates, had been diagnosed with a very, very severe form of cancer. You know, one of those forms of cancer that, that doesn't give you, you know, really a chance to make it much beyond a year. 
and of course, when I received that news, my whole world was turned upside down. It's the first time I've, I'd ever had to deal with something like that in my life. And what made it even worse is I saw Brian just a couple of weeks before, and he looked fine. He looked like he always did, a big smile on his face. We laughed. We, we did all this stuff, and I had no idea that he was dealing with this behind the scene. And I'll never forget asking those difficult questions. How is it that someone who was so healthy and so full of life with his whole future in front of him. He was this incredible artist. He was this incredible musician. How can someone like this be diagnosed at such a young age with such a severe form of cancer? And so what I did in response to that is I got to work doing what I thought a pastor should do. A pastor and a friend, right? Spending as much time as possible doing whatever I could for him any time that I could. While at the same time, Praying and believing and praying and believing for God to work a miracle in his right, his life, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Even getting to the points where, where I was convinced that, that God, against all odds, was going to heal my friend. So that not only would he make it, not only would he be okay, but that we could go on and tell this story about how amazing our God really is. And so I prayed and believed and prayed and believed, and I'm not the only one. There were thousands of people praying for this kid. He was a huge part of this small community in Alva, Oklahoma. So we prayed and believed and prayed and believed. But even though we did all of that, he didn't get any better. Instead, because of the chemo and the cancer, he started wasting away. He got to a place of pain and suffering that Nobody should have to experience eventually becoming a shell of the once happy, healthy, and talented friend that I knew him to be. And then in the process of receiving some experimental treatment, he died. Because his body just couldn't keep up. Or for Brian, there were no miracles. No beating the odds but instead a whole lot of suffering and then dying at the age of 23 years old. Then a couple of years later, another guy that I grew up with who I got really close to as I started ministry because he was also a youth minister in the, the same area that I lived in. He and his wife had their second child, a beautiful baby girl named Liberty. And at first, everything seemed perfect. In fact, they were living the dream. They had everything that they ever wanted. That is until at a normal check appointment for Liberty, the doctor discovered that Liberty's oxygen levels were extremely low, which came out of the blue for them. First month, everything was absolutely fine. And what they discovered as they put this poor baby through all the tests to figure out what was going on is that Liberty was born in, in non-technical terms with her heart wired backwards. Which meant she needed to have surgery, open heart surgery, at that young age if she even wanted a chance to survive. Which of course is a surgery that comes with a whole lot of risk. Would she make it? Would there be damage? What would happen? And so again, what I did in response to all of this stuff is, is I got to work checking up on my friend and his wife, doing whatever they needed, whenever they needed it. 
and devoting myself to a whole lot of prayer that this child would come through the surgery and go on and live ever after. And I'll never forget the day of the surgery, walking into the surgical waiting room at Children's Hospital in Oklahoma City, looking into the eyes of my friend and his wife, seeing that look of desperation and fear as they waited to hear if their baby made it or not. Or as they waited to hear if their perfect baby girl made it through the surgery. And what they found out is that she did. She made it through the surgery. But in the process of the surgery, coded on the table three or four times and ended up with some significant brain damage in the process, which is a reality that this family's been living with for the last 16 years, devoting themselves not only to raising up a son who is smart and athletic and will no doubt, no doubt go on to do great things, but devoting themselves to Miss Liberty 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then just about six months ago, I think it was August 7th, one day as I was busy unpacking from our move from the parsonage into our new home, which was an exciting time for us, I get a call from Nels Lindbergh with him telling me in this haunted kind of voice that there's been an accident and his son Nash has been shot. So, of course, I dropped everything, headed directly to the hospital, trying to wrap my brain around the reality that, that one of our church kids, a boy that I love, has been shot. That's not supposed to happen out here in Great Bend, Kansas. This is the safest place in the world, right? And then on entering the hospital, coming face-to-face with, with Mama Bear Karen, whose first desperate words to me were, I can't lose my boy. I can't lose my boy. Because at that point, we had no idea what was going on. Or she spoke those words because a part of her was now lying on a bed in the emergency room, and she could do nothing about it. And then after I had been stabilized and flown to Children's Hospital in Wichita. So in the process, I went down. They flew down. I drove down, and at that point, it's in the middle of COVID, so you can't go in and visit, and you can't do your normal pastoral duty, so I'm just sitting outside kind of waiting, and they know that I'm there. And I'll never forget Nels coming out, right? Big, strong Nels, huge leader in this community, does a lot of great things. Um, losing it right there in the middle of that parking lot because his boy This boy had been shot. And the news that they had received up to that point is that there was a piece of the bullet that had enlarged in his spine, which meant that his boy might not ever walk again. And then walking with his family through the last seven months, all the ups and downs in between, the good days when progress was made 
And let's just be honest, this kid is doing amazing. It, it looks like he's going to get to a place where he's going to get pretty normal, again, which is absolutely amazing. For me, nothing short of miraculous. But there was also a whole lot of bad days, right, where progress wasn't made or, or they took a step backwards and Nash dealt with all of this pain from that injury as his body began to heal itself. All the while they're wrestling with these existential questions that we would all wrestle with given what they were going through. Like, why did this happen? Could we have done something differently? Was it our fault? Did we cause this? Were we not good enough parents? Did God cause this? Is this something God caused? Did God allow this? Have we done something wrong? Is this a punishment? I mean, all these existential questions are going on in their hands. And then they're overcome by the anger or the thought that this is something that could have been avoided. Why? Why? And then there's this sense of grief and sadness that they had to wrestle with wondering how all of this was going to affect Nash for the rest of his life. What do you do with that? How do you wrestle with that? Now, what these realities put into perspective for us is that it's quite clear we live in a fallen and broken world. Or a world where it's not always the case where God's will gets done. So bad things do happen to good people. I wish it weren't that way, but it is that way. And sometimes even when we pray and believe with everything that we have for the miraculous to happen, or we might even plead with God to intervene, Sometimes those prayers are not answered. Or at least they're not answered in the way we want them to be answered. And so, 23-year-olds die from cancer. Babies are born with birth defects. And young boys get shot. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Because everybody's got a tragedy like that in their life. That they are wrestling with. But even though that's the case... Even though we live in a world where bad things are possible, what the reality of Jesus suffering on the cross reveals to us in the face of all of that is that our God not only understands what it feels like to suffer the worst kind human could suffer, and what it feels like to be forsaken by everyone and everything. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it also reveals to us that we serve a God that is not distant and unconcerned about our suffering. Or a God who leaves or forsakes us. But a God who is not only with us and for us every step of the way, no matter what. But a God who suffers with us. That's what the cross reveals. In the deepest, darkest, most horrible places of our lives, God is with us and knows what we are experiencing. But not only does God meet us there in that suffering and know what we're going through, but he meets us there so he can begin to take us out of the darkness and back into the light. which for me is exactly what I've experienced time and time and time again as I continue to face the tragedies of life. 
or it's why I'm still standing after all the darkness that I have encountered as a minister. And I've told you guys three horrible stories today, right? I got bad news like that, worse than that, this week alone. I face this stuff every single week. But the reason I am still standing, the reason I can stand, the reason I can face it, even though I don't understand it, is because I know, as the cross reveals, that I am never alone. I never have to do any of this stuff alone. And I serve a God who is not only with me and for me every step of the way, but a God who is there with me in the midst of the suffering, helping me up out of the darkness and back into the light. And there's many of you who are facing something like that right now. There's many of you who are in that place who are like, where are you at, God? What's going on here, God? So what I want you to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that when you look to the cross, what it reveals to us is that not only is God with you, but God feels your pain. He knows your suffering. And if you let him, he'll take you out of that darkness and back into the light again. Which is exactly what you find happening in Liberty's family. So Travis uh, is the father. And instead of letting that tragedy hold them back, weigh them down day in and day out, what they do when they can't handle it, when it becomes too overwhelming, is they say, God, I need your help today. Help me get through this day. Which is the way they've lived for the last 16 years. And it's been hard. It's been difficult. It's been dark. But man, there's been a lot of light and joy there too. Man, there's been a lot of grace and mercy and love. Man, there's been some huge milestones. Which is the same thing that happened with the Lindbergh family, right? I mean, it really doesn't get any worse for a parent than, than having a child shot. And, and then wondering if he's ever going to be able to walk again or move again. For that matter, they didn't even know at that time what was going on. And there's been all of these ups and downs and in-betweens, and it has been as hard as they have ever faced in their entire life. But in the midst of all of that, there's also been a lot of beauty and joy and grace because they don't have to do it alone. None of us have to do it alone. Or that is what the cross reveals to us every single day. And that's what we need to hold on to with everything we've got if we're going to make it. Let us pray. Father, we, we have all experienced suffering in our lives. And the truth is we can't handle it by ourselves. It's too much. It's too much for us to handle. But even though that's true, even though bad things happen and continue to happen, help us in the midst of that suffering not to rely on ourselves, not to think that we're all alone, but instead to look towards the cross to see you suffering, which reveals to us you are with us 
and for us and even in the midst of our suffering, knowing what we're going through because you've done. Not only that, but are there to show us the way forward, to help us walk out of that darkness and back into the light. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.